Welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to help you be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Really excited to have you back again this week, as I know that you and I both are on a journey of exploration to learn about how we can help our daughters to be strong, independent women. And we can do that in many different ways. And a lot of that is supporting our daughters to be the people that they are becoming. But at the same time, there's work that we have to do ourselves, work that we have to do to be able to be the best men we can be, the best fathers we can be, the best partners we can be, whatever that looks like. And I'm really excited to be able to bring back a repeat guest. Jim Young is with us this week. And you might remember that Jim joined us in the past and talked about his journey as a father. And this week, we're not going to specifically talk about completely his journey as a father, but it might come up. But we're really going to be talking about his brand new book called Expansive Intimacy, How Tough Guys Defeat Burnout. So we're going to talk about that and look a, look a little bit deeper into ourselves and what we can do to be able to delve a little bit deeper into connection and intimacy and what we can do to be that better self that we want to become. Jim, thanks so much for being here today. Chris, I am excited to be back. Thank you for having me on uh, with an opportunity to talk about something that's near and dear to me that I think does relate to how we can be better fathers. I agree. I think it does relate. And I think first and foremost, I would love to go back to the beginning of this project that you went on because writing a book is not an easy thing. It is. And I think I, I remember when we talked last time, you were talking about writing this book. So one of the things that I love to be able to do when people are writing books, especially as they relate to fatherhood or in relate to the experience that we have as men is go back to the impetus of this. And so tell me a little bit about what made you decide that you wanted to go on this journey for yourself to be able to write this book for other men. One of the things that really pushed me over the edge, I'd been thinking about writing a book for years. And I remember talking to my oldest child who now identifies as non-binary, but was my daughter through growing up, is that I looked up about a year and a half ago, and I noticed that the people that I was serving, I work as a coach, and I, the people that were coming to me for help were predominantly dads who were business owners and who were dealing with burnout. And I recognized, oh, they're coming to me for a reason. They're coming to me because I was that guy, and I'm not anymore. That I have, I had somehow found a way through a life where I was too locked into my work I was too stressed out by the provider role. I was unbalanced and I wasn't doing what I really wanted. I was, I was trying to constantly fit my life around my work instead of the other way around or even better integrating the two. And as I realized that, as I sat with that, I said, oh, I wanna write about this because I think I've figured out how I did it. As I, as I sat with it, I realized that I had come up with something, not by a design or a plan, but that I had found this really cool way of getting out of this, this trap that I had, had been in for a long time. So I know one of the pieces in this book really delves a little bit deeper into the choice that men have to make, the choice that they have to make 
and and you put it very very bluntly as you talk about the fact that men have to choose between facing shame by embracing their inner desires for meaningful connection or they invite burnout by following the harsh rules that require men to shun their emotions and emphasize achievement talk to me about that because i think that you're right in regards to society as a whole tends to put masculinity in a box and you are either in one area or another and there's not a lot of gray in between or at least that's the impression that many men have so as you delved into this and looked at this talk to me a little bit more about this choice that men are being forced into I'm glad you you brought up that passage because I think it really is the crux of the book in a lot of ways that going through my own socialization and so many of the men that I've talked to over the years, men that I've interviewed for the writing of the book, as well as research that I did on the book, there's this set of rules that we're given. And Mark Green writes very eloquently about them in his writing about the man box culture, other great material on that. Some of the other work that I found was Professor Michael Kaler in uh, University of Western Ontario, who really clearly spelled out these rules of manhood that we're in control. We don't reveal our emotions, especially to other men. We need to be successful. We don't ask for help. These conditions, those rules, if we follow those rules, we are isolated. We don't have any room for the failures and the challenges that life is just going to throw at us because that's what life does. And if we can't succeed at that, we're not enough of a man. It invites shame. We're always comparing ourselves. We're competitive. We have to achieve. We have to gain status. That's what masculinity in, in our traditional culture has called for. And there's no room for us to express what's really going on in that without inviting shame. And so as I, I was writing the book, I realized burnout was being, inf- was being invited by these cultural social conditions that we grow up in. We have to continue to double down. We can't show any signs of weakness. What I realized was that it was fear of shame. We can't look like we're less of a man. And so we have to just keep grinding and working and we shut other things down and we shut other people out so that we can achieve and succeed and provide and all the things that have been historically valued as men. So you heard those stories as you looked at your own experiences and you found that to be true. What are some of the things that you found in regards to what some men are being able to do to be able to escape that quote unquote box? Unfortunately, a lot of the stories that I end up hearing are that and and this echoes my own story and experience, is that a lot of men have to get to a breaking point before they realize it's time to make this other choice, that they can reach out for help, they can rely on relationships. And I am also seeing, so there are a couple of stories that come up in the book of men who just reach this place where they are at wit's end, or even worse, there were a couple of men that I interviewed for the book who had heart attacks, and, and this is there's statistics that talk about the health impact of stress and burnout is a stress condition that when we don't treat those we are literally harming our bodies we're holding all this stuff in and cardiac events addiction depression divorce lots of negative consequences can grow out of this and sometimes it takes those events 
for men to get the wake-up call and say, hey, it's time to do something different here. And at the same time, I've been emboldened a little bit, especially by seeing in younger generations, I'm a Gen Xer, seeing some men in the millennial generation, for example, that I talked with, who are much more clear that I don't need to follow that path. I can actually go broader. I can be more expansive with my intimacy, if you will, and not have to get to a point where I collapse before I start to look for help. So you said that some of this comes from your own experience in hitting that breaking point. Can you talk to me about the breaking point for you? Sure. It was about 10 years ago, and I was working at a really high-level job, pinnacle job of my career. I had gotten to the top of an organization. I worked in the IT field for about 25 years, and I was constantly climbing the ladder trying to get my way to that. On the way to it, I focused so hard on that achievement that I became a pretty one-dimensional person. I was, I was not there for my wife in a way that was healthy to our relationship. That relationship ended about 10 years ago. I was so consumed by this accomplishment, this achievement that I was striving for, that I had let go of my physical health. I had let go a lot of my social uh, connections. I was still very focused as a dad, so I did have that going for me. But I, I cratered. I, I had to walk away from my job for a month unpaid on the spot. I just went into my CEO's office and I said, I've got to go. I had just gone through divorce. I had just lost a caregiver from growing up and I was going through an inordinate amount of stress in my day-to-day life while also trying to learn how to be a single dad to three young kids. And I fell apart. I had to just, I had to raise the white flag and say, I can't do this anymore. And I don't even know what it looks like next. I just need to go away. And I did, I, I did for about a month. It was so hard to say, essentially, I give up. So when you said you gave up and you had to go away, what did you have to do in that time to be able to start healing and start moving to the point where you now are? And I love that you asked it that way, Chris, that, you know, what did I have to do to start healing? It wasn't like taking that month off healed me. What it did was it gave me a space to not do anything for a little while, to sit with how I was actually feeling and to feel like, I think I might be depressed I know I'm sad. I know I'm confused. I know I'm, you know, I, I don't know what the path forward is. And I know I'm really lonely. And sitting with that for a month and, and starting to reach out, I remember going to lunch with a, a guy that I had taken some improv comedy classes with, older gentleman, probably 15 years older than, than I was at the time, or still is. And just having lunch with this guy and talking with him and having him listen to me and feeling really connected. And I was like, oh, there's something here. It felt safe to me to have that conversation. I felt like I wasn't alone. And I think that moment was, was one of the pivotal ones where I said, oh, I can take a risk to share with somebody what's actually going on here with another guy and get some acknowledgement for that and also hear some hope and feel connected with somebody. So what is it about connection that you think that makes men hold back and not build the friendships and the meaningful relationships with other men that are around them? I think a lot of it has to do with those, ex- those cultural expectations, again, that we're not supposed to reveal our inner world, our emotions, that that's, that's weak sauce. That, and what we really want 
as human beings. And, and the, the Harvard study of adult development, which is the longest running study of, of human happiness that's ever been conducted, has found that warm social relationships are the number one predictor of living a long, happy life. And so we have this science that has shown what really feeds us, what we really inherently want, what we're wired for, we've been essentially socially bullied out of doing. We've been told like, that's not for men to do. And so I think what we really want are those, those spaces where we can be our whole selves. We don't have to hide that we're feeling worried or scared or elated, you know, emotions that aren't considered manly. I appreciate you sharing that as well, because I think you're right. I mean, I think that many men are afraid of that vulnerability, of putting themselves out there, talking about things that are beyond the surface level. And a lot of times, I mean, I can think of in my own experiences, it's very easy to stay at the surface level, but going underneath that and talking about your fears, your concerns, your you know, the things that keep you up at night are not things that men typically talk about, especially to other men. They may talk about it with their partners if they have them in their life, but not always even there. Because as you said, a lot of times men are taught to shun emotions and to push those down. So in looking forward, and as you talk to men about building these connections, what are some of the first basic building blocks that you recommend that men take to start moving in the direction of, I'm going to say healing, like you said, healing yourself to be able to be willing to take that step to be vulnerable and to build those meaningful connections? Yeah, it, you know, it's interesting because I, as I was writing the book, you see so many articles or books out there these days that talk about the four steps to a happy life or the five things to do to f fill in the blank. And I think models are important. And I think the fundamentals of what I'm writing about are how do you live a life that you're satisfied with? And I just don't know that there's a clean and clear formula that fits everyone. I think it's a little gimmicky. And because I know that people are helped by that, there, there is, I think, a framework. And I lay it out in the final chapter of the book. Really simply, give yourself a little bit of space to stop and assess, how's life going for me? And what do I want? Compare that want and the, the reality of what's going on in life. And then there's some gap in there, likely or potentially. And then start to see, okay, well, what would it take for me to change that? Because help isn't going to come from the outside. Help is going to come from what we decide to do. What's the action we can take, which is great. Like that's manly. Right? We can step in and we can be, be men of action. But if we can do that in service of there's this life I want to lead. It has these qualities and these components and these are missing or they're misaligned or they're not where I want them to be yet. Then start to say, what are the risks I have to take? What's the thing that I would have to do that would feel uncomfortable? And I might even get mocked by other guys for doing, but who cares? Because I want it. And start to take risks. So it's, what, what's life like right now? What do I want it to be? Where's the gap? And what are the risks I have to take? That's the essential structure that I followed. Again, without knowing it at the time, I kind of retraced my steps and was like, oh, that's what I did. I looked at, I don't like this. This is what I want. And that question was hard for me at first. I didn't know what I wanted. I had shut that question down for a really long time in service of achieving and serving other people. And then it took a lot of risk-taking. Risk-taking is not easy either. 
and some I think that that's gets at some of the crux of why some men that I've talked to decide not to open up or to embrace kind of this, as you say, intimacy with other people in that regard. We've said it before, we'll say it again. It is so important to build connections and to build those relationships with others. Now, your book is out there now. How are you trying to get the message out and talk to men and engage men to not only read the book, but also to engage in conversations about the book and to move to that next level of, I'm going to say intimacy, as you say in the book, to be able to move in that direction. My wise guy answer is through their wives. So many times the the work that I do because I'm pushing men to the edge of a new way of looking at masculinity sometimes, their wives want that for them and from them. And what I'm really hoping to do is make something like intimacy, not just a euphemistic word and not a word that feels unapproachable, but rather relatable. I think, you know, anybody who picks up the book, you're going to see that I'm not giving you academic talk. I'm not telling you what you should do and preaching at you. It's not dry. There's a lot of humor in there. It's a lot of stories. I think it's very relatable because this is everyday stuff and I want it to be everyday conversations that are intimate in nature. You don't have to use the word, but there's a feeling of what an intimate connection is like and you know what it is. And so, you know, in my work, I want to be bringing that out in conversation, whether that's me speaking to large groups about this interactively. Whenever I give talks or do events, it's always interactive because I only know a little bit. So bringing other people into the conversation, that feels more intimate. I've really been pondering how do I want to bring smaller groups together. I love doing small group work with men. It's one of the most alive experiences that I've had as a man is is being in small group conversations. So I've been been thinking about what's the way to do that around the book. I think the word book club doesn't feel manly, so I wouldn't call it a book club, but essentially something like that. And ultimately some of this work, when we start as men doing this kind of work to develop underdeveloped parts of ourselves, sometimes we need to do that in a safe space. We need to do it by ourselves. And the book is intended for that. It gives people a place where they can dig into these concepts without having to put themselves out there until they're ready, but hopefully it stages them for those other conversations where they can get out into the world in, um, in, in new ways. So Jim, if people are interested in finding the book and learning more about you, connecting with you, where's the best place that they can go? The simplest place would be to just go to my website, thecenteredcoach.com. You'll see a page on there about the book, which will give you any the information you need to go find a, a copy of it if you're interested in that. And I also you know, share different stories about myself, and there's other information about how people can work with me if they're interested in that. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. 
We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be